I think it really depends on what you're comfortable doing. You know, some people are good typists, and so typing, they get to speak faster. Sometimes the thoughts come too quickly for the pen, and sometimes it's good to slow your brain down so that you are only really thinking as quickly as the pen can go. Welcome to the My Future Business Show, where we get you in front of your best audience and keep you there. Not only are we interviewing the biggest names in business to help you become even more successful, we're inviting you to book your spot on the show to help you grow your business. So at the end of the call, make sure you fill in the interview application form at myfuturebusiness.com forward slash interviews. Hi, and welcome back to the My Future Business Show. My name's Rick Nusky, and on today's show, I'm on the, on the line with the wonderful Marcy Brockman. How are you, Marcy? I'm well. How are you, Rick? I'm very Lovely well. To- yes, it's wonderful to have you here. Now, uh, Marcy and I were just talking about um, her wonderful new book, Permission to Land, and we're going to be talking about that. There it is on the screen. Wonderful, of which we will be making available links uh, back to Marcy and this wonderful book at the end of the call. But uh, what we do, and it is customary for us to do, is spend a bit of time, Marcy, to learn a little bit more about you and how it was that uh, you came to this point in time that you've written this book. Would you mind sharing a little bit about your, your journey to this point with the My Future Business audience? Sure. Um, I, I had had this idea percolating in my mind since my mother died about six years ago. And um, I I was telling some of these stories that I that I we wove together in my memoir to my students and friends and family and people that I met. And, and it was extraordinary, the connections that I was making with people because we all have faced trauma in, in various aspects of our lives. Yeah. And um, this, my mother was addicted to opioids um, and this epidemic that is crossing the world right now uh, is, is pervasive. And uh, she had been an undiagnosed bipolar for all of her life and was quite miserable. And that's unfortunate, but it also negatively affected me. So when I originally started writing, I didn't start writing until October of 2019, when I originally started writing, I was just trying to craft my story of my relationship with her through her bipolarity and through her narcissism and through her drug addiction. And in telling my story, what I realized was that it wasn't so much necessarily about her, Mm -hmm. but it was about me and my anxiety that was caused by her mental illness and my own addictions to people pleasing and uh, sublimating my own needs and my own desires and my own goals to make other people happy. And it set up a rather unhealthy pattern of relationships for me for most of my, for all of my adolescence and a good three decades or so of my adult life. Um, And what I've realized is that I'm not alone in these experiences or these feelings, but they are so common, so sad common among everybody Mm -hmm. uh, that I felt really compelled to writing this book because it's, it's a pathway to living a healthier life, to finding the love, the safe and nurturing home and the sense of community and belonging that we all need. Uh, And so I'm hoping that people will take the journey with me and discover my, the tools that I learned through therapy and expressive writing to to make my life a better place to yes. be 
and they'll be able to apply them to their own lives. This is wonderful. I've seen the book and I've looked at uh, some of the reviews. They're wonderful. I, I know that uh, a lot of individuals do suffer through life and I noticed in your bio that you used to uh, sit underneath uh, the craft room desk and uh, pretend that you were uh, Michael, painting Michelangelo's uh, painting, 16th Chapel. And, uh, <laughs> You've, you've obviously had a long love of, of painting as well. Does, has that helped you work through uh, these times oh, as well? Absolutely, absolutely. When I was a kid um, and as a teenager, when I could have, I, I should really, if I could reach back in time and thank my younger self, I would, but where it was, would have been so easy for me to fall off the, the, the beaten path and, and take unhealthy, use unhealthy means of coping, yeah. what I didn't, Ed was turned to writing and turned to painting and drawing. Um, and I, I've always had this need to create things. Um, and then after my mom died and after my divorce, actually divorce, and then my mom died, mm -hmm. um, I, I turned to painting again as solace. Um, and, and I wasn't really aware that that's what I was doing. Yeah. But that's what I was doing. You know, I've been keeping journals on paper or on my computer since 1985. So the writing never stopped. But what I started to do or started to see through painting was that it was teaching me to take a step back. It was teaching me to live more in the moment and not project back or forward and to not be impatient and just sort of let things develop. And I, I found myself it sounds cliche, but it's completely not. Mm -hmm. I found myself while creating paintings, whether they were good enough to give away or sell, or they were just going to be painted over and turned into something else. It really didn't matter. It was the act of creation itself that made me get in touch with myself again. So this was about expression, I guess, through the power of the pen and the power of the paintbrush. Absolutely. So what, Absolutely. Uh, you know, what did you find? Did you find that you, when you were writing early on, if we can look at your journaling over what, 30 years, that's a long years. time to be journaling. And did long you, time. you I know, had a big book, big box, fill a box, you know, I'd, I'd love to help those who are listening to the call that are having similar life's experiences, uh, Marcy, work through uh, the process of journaling. What did you do each day? Was it just a matter of having a little book by your side and just writing that you were angry or expressing your feelings or you were sad? How did that come about? What were you writing? Yeah, um, I, I don't really remember the the germination of it, how it actually started. Mm -hmm. um, do ha I, I think for a while it was sort of haphazard and random when I wrote. And then somehow I got it into my 15-year-old brain <laughs> that keeping a journal was a romantic thing to do, uh -huh. you know, not in a love way, but in a, yeah, yeah. in a 17th century kind of way, you know, like somehow I was going to be Jane Austen keeping a diary <laughs> or some crazy thing. But, um, but when I go back and look, I wrote every single night before I went to bed and I had a book, you know, a nice hard bound book with a pretty cover and a pen that I like to write with. And every single night I wrote to myself, to whoever, I expressed feelings about being confused about my parents fighting because they were going through a very horrible divorce and my dad left and I didn't hear from him for six months and my mom was just too depressed and upset to notice anything that was going on with me and I didn't understand what was going on. I was a kid, so teenager. So um, I would just write about 
disillusionment. I'd write about my friends. I wrote about things that were going on in school or boys that I liked or whatever was going on. And mm -hmm. sometimes very detailed things about what was going on in school or an event or a fight or a disagreement I had with somebody or the process of getting my first job, you know, whatever was going on is what I was writing about. And um, there were a lot of entries that were very detailed, surprisingly detailed about incidents I had with my mother and how I felt and using those um, recollections, those memories from my younger self really informed my analysis of my behavior when I was writing the memoir. Yeah, I, um, I'd, I'd like to come back to this again because I think there's another element to this because you've moved forward in your life. You've created yourself a wonderful career as an English teacher, which you also love. And you get a lot of joy out of helping uh, adolescents find their place in life. Tell us a little bit about that and, and your views on adolescents nowadays that may, may be going through a similar thing as you were when you were younger. Do you see them in the, in the, school, in the school yards and work with them like that? Yeah, yeah, I've been teaching um, 10th, 11th, and 12th grade English for 25 years. Mm -hmm. And um, half my adult life has been spent with adolescents um, in an English classroom. And I personally feel like, for me, I'm the luckiest woman on the planet. This yeah. is the perfect job for me. They pay me to talk to kids and get to know them and help them express themselves through words. And then we get to read great books and talk about them. What's better than that? <laughs> That's utopian. Totally much better than that. <laughs> what, what I've noticed over the, the course of my career, though, mm -hmm. is that there's been a, a really big shift in, I don't know how to put it, in, in the work ethic of a lot of students and the time that they have to or are willing to devote to their studies now now granted this is a sweeping generalization and yep. you know and so on but uh but i find that that kids our world is so increasingly digitized you know phones are ubiquitous and people have got screens everywhere and and to get a hard a, a physical paper book in front of kids and have them turn pages seems alien to them foreign um, I think my, I know my own school district is moving a little bit more towards ebooks, especially in light of the COVID-19 pandemic, mm -hmm. where we were all forced to do distance learning for education. Um, and the only way we could assign work to kids was digitally. Um, so I think that that's sort of helping the digitization. Yeah, that's a word. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it is now. <laughs> it is now. Uh, but I think that what kids need more than ever before mm -hmm. is emotionally emotional education instruction they're not as emotionally intelligent they're not as self-aware as they used to be they're not as good at conversation face to face as they used to be because everything is a text and they don't know how to look another person in the eye mm -hmm. and ask them a question or have a conversation or even be able to express how it is they're feeling and, and, and analyze that for themselves. They're not making sense of it. And so I feel like even beyond where to put a comma in your sentence or learning vocabulary um, or even reading classic, liter classic literature is the idea of being able to express themselves in writing 
Um, and, and so the writing course that I designed as an addendum or as an, a, 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 in conjunction with my memoir, mm-hmm. really sort of an outgrowth of what I'm doing in my English classes. It's like a combination. It's partly the same questions I asked myself when writing Permission to Land, but it's also part of the free writing that I ask my students to do every single day in class. And I ask them the same questions. Name 15 words that you would use to describe yourself. Um, how, what uh, memories from your childhood make you feel safe? Um, how do you deal with conflict in your family or in your friend group? You know, things like that, that really get them to think about themselves and how they feel about things and how that fits in with other people they know. I love this cross-pollination, if I might just add there, uh, Marcy, about how you've taken your, your teaching skills and experience and, and now turning turning it into a, uh, you know, a program for people outside of the schoolyard, obviously, to, to embrace and, and get value from. Thank you. I think the best ideas happen organically like that. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, I, I wonder, is this, is this a book that... Um, you can uh, go back to, or is it just a cover to cover read? How do people, how do people consume this content? The, the journal thing yes. or the memoir? Uh, your, your memoir. Um, yeah, the memoir is uh, 400 pages. It's long. Yep. Um, and it's, you know, written like any other memoir chapters and uh, sort of um, a chronological look at my life, but it starts out at my mother's death. Right. And, because that was really the impetus that got me started on this path of emotional wellness, so to speak. And, you know, and I still battle with these same demons I dealt with then. Mm-hmm. I just deal with them having had six more years of therapy and six more years of life experience and um, having undergone this big pervasive self-analysis to get to this place where I am now. You know, I still have people-pleasing tendencies. I still find myself tiptoeing around other people's feelings when I don't need to, because that's the habit I fall back on. But I think that when we are aware of these patterns and we can name them and see them, we take the power away from them and then cognitively can behaviorally get, get past them. You know, I think it's a process that's yeah. a painful process sometimes, but it's absolutely doable. We've talked about uh, students and, uh, you know, the, your, your program, but I think about this memoir and I think to myself, there could be some value in, in all different types of people from parents and adolescents reading this book to take a piece from your life and learn from it. Would you would you agree with that? I absolutely agree. I happen to be a memoir reader and I, I swallowed up books like Educated by Tara Westover and um, Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert and The Art of Asking by um, Amanda Palmer. And I, I just soak up these memoirs like Belonging by Michelle Obama. And, and all of these women are very different and they're not directly, explicitly instructing us on the best way to live their li- our lives, mm-hmm. but through showing us how their decision-making occurred and the events and the experiences that they had and what it taught them, it serves as a a narrative example for what we might be able to do with our own lives. You know, I think it's inspiring and um, slightly educational, if I may say so. Um, And I'm thinking that that my book, I'm hoping, is a benefit to uh, people who are looking for a little inspiration or a little hope, who 
have dealt with similar traumatic issues in their lives and want to see how someone else handled them. You know, as a parent myself, Marcy, I often reflect on the negativity that I've seen in my own um, upbringing um, through parents, and, and it's happened. That's a fact. I think many of us experience that. Um, do you think that it's made you a better parent? Your, oh, absolutely. Your own life's experience? A hundred percent. Absolutely. I. It sounds kind of crazy, but I used my mother as my cautionary tale. And yep, yep. I, I have thought like when I've reached a decision that I have to, you know, something that I have to decide on, I think, all right, what would my mom do? And then I do 180 degrees opposite. Sorry, yep. but it worked. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> it worked. Yeah. And the tools that I've learned in therapy to get myself over the things that happened with me because of my parents and their poor decisions as parents. I mean, they did the best they could. It's not mm -hmm. like they were malicious. They just didn't have the tools. Um, but I've learned the tools. I've made it my life's work to learn the tools and raise my kids better than I was raised. Um, so both my children are very self-aware and very introspective. And we have these deep philosophical conversations about all sorts of things. Um, is she an artist? Does she like painting? My, my daughter is an artist also. And my son is actually um, an engineer. Oh, well, there you go. It's a very, it's a very so different. On a different, on a different side of the brain. That's all. Absolutely. Now that's wonderful to hear. Now, uh, um, it seems to me that this didn't take too long to write for a memoir, which would normally take, I guess, somewhat of a lifetime. Is this because you've used all of the content in the journal? How did the actual writing process come about for you? I think that helped. Um, I had this idea last summer burning into my head, but I wasn't really ready to start writing yet, but I was doing a lot of journal reading mm -hmm. and self-reflection. Um, and then I enrolled in a writing course, not really a course so much as a writing group through an online magazine called The Elephant Journal. And as I was being inspired by the other writers in that group, I started writing and I put finger to keyboard of pen to paper i guess finger to keyboard <laughs> on october 1st and by december 15th i had 121,000 words of the first draft that is incredible literally poured out of me uh, there were times where i put my headphones on and i sat in this little corner of my house in my art studio and i would write and the next thing i knew it was nine hours later yeah wow that's amazing it's it when you have a story to tell it's amazing how quickly this can happen i i want to touch on if we can i guess the more sure. sensitive side of this story for you did what were the feelings that came forward for you did you you obviously had lows you had peaks take take us through that side of it through my initial draft it was very it was cathartic at the end, but mm. during it, I, I found myself really upset at times when yeah. I was trying to figure out, when I was relating stories and incidents that happened when I was a little kid and my parents were fighting or that happened when I was a teenager during my mother's, the lowest of my mother's depression and, and my dad's disappearance, I was literally raising myself. And, um, and then I repeated my mother's my relation, the pattern of my relationship with my mother, with my first husband, and found myself in a 12-year marriage of isolation and sadness and loneliness mm -hmm. and and fear. You know, I was kind of afraid of him at times, and 
And so when I was reliving those things, I was upset. I cried. I had a lot of sleepless nights. My, my current husband was extremely supportive and, you know, would just hold me when I was inconsolable in the middle of the night because I just couldn't let the ghosts yes. free. Yeah. You know, putting them out on paper was just like digging it all up and churning it all up for me. And it was excru excruciating to write at, mm. in certain levels. Um, yeah, I don't but mean I, to take you back to those moments, but I think it's important for people to, to understand. At this point, I think at this point, it's it's evident on the page what those emotions were. Um, and I, I sent the first draft to my wonderful editor, uh, the novelist Craig Lancaster, and he he was just so amazing through the, the editing process. And he spent a couple of weeks going through the manuscript and... Um, on track changes in Microsoft Word would give me questions where, that he really wanted me to explore and delve into something and really flesh out a specific conversation or a lot more detail about something. Mm -hmm. And I, I think he really helped me make a better book. It's drastically better through the editing and the revision than it was obviously the first time. That's what drafts are for. But, yeah, yeah. but it was through that further excavation that, that I really got in touch with the heart of why certain behaviors happened and why things were so traumatic and and that maternal mama lion piece that impelled me to divorce him and to yeah. build a better life for myself and my kids you know i i hear a lot of women say that they're unhappy in their marriages that they are miserable, they're lonely, they're afraid of their husbands, there's no connection, whatever the myriad of reasons why people would seek divorce. And they always say, what's that tried and true reason, that cliched BS reason, is they're staying in the marriage for the kids. Uh. I started to think of it in the other way. I got divorced for my kids. I think if I didn't have children, I might have just stayed where I was. I might have just kept my relationship, the toxic relationship with my mother going and kept the toxic relationship with my ex-husband going. But somewhere in the summer of 2006, it may have been something that a friend said to me. I suddenly saw that what I was doing for my kids was showing them that you shouldn't expect to be treated well, that you should allow people to treat you badly and to be into exist in toxic relationships, that there is no such thing as romantic love, that marriages are just a facade and that people do sleep in separate bedrooms as a norm. Mm. You know, I felt like if I stayed, I was showing my kids all these awful things that would have been typed into their concept of what relationships were. Yes. And I think that's 100% unhealthy. Yeah, you were doing them a disservice by staying, weren't you? Right, right. So I, one by one got rid of all of these toxic relationships. I divorced my ex-husband and showed my kids that this is really how you should want to be treated. And I found I was dating, but keeping that private for them because they yeah, were yeah. little, but you know, I, I was a, a woman. I bought, I had my own career. I bought my own home. I started an art business all on my own. And that's what they grow up seeing. They saw me fall in love with my husband who I've been friends with for 30 years and, and what a healthy relationship actually looks like. So that I did for myself, but it's also a really good example for my kids. Yeah, I'm, you know, uh, I'm, everybody else is reading the book. You can change your life. I'm you tingling. Like you know, I'm sitting here thinking this is wonderful. I love the fact that you've 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 
got the, I guess, the strength to go, you know what, this is not the best way forward. Thank you so very much for, for sharing those powerful insights. They are very powerful. I, I want to just flip back, if we could, a little bit and go back to this, uh, the students for a second, because we talked about how they're going away from, you know, they're going more digital. Now, right. as somebody who has paper and pen for the last 30 years, if we were to give some practical advice to those who want to start journaling because they've got all of these thoughts wrapped up in their head, they need to get them out. Are you, right. are you, would you suggest that they start picking up the pen instead of trying to type it in? Is there a better or a worse way to do this? No, I, I think if, I think it could go either way. Right. Um, I sometimes do my journaling longhand and I sometimes do my journaling on a computer. You know, I have a book a pretty book that I write in with a purple pen. And I also have an app on my phone that syncs with my computer. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I do it that way. I think it really depends on what you're comfortable doing. Right. You know, some people are good typists. And so typing, they get to speak faster. Sometimes the thoughts come too quickly for the pen. And sometimes it's good to slow your brain down so that you are only really thinking as quickly as the pen can go. Yeah, I, uh, I often think about the mechanics of actually picking up a pen because I know that there's some, like I said, there's some magic in that pen because you're actually expressing yourself through the movement of the hand, the physical movement. But, uh, you know, it doesn't really matter as long as you're capturing the essence of the message, doesn't it? I think so. I think when my students are taking notes in class, I'm very adamant that they do it pen to paper because it does go through the brain extra times when you're taking notes and you're actually writing them out in longhand. So there may be some extra psychological benefit to keeping a journal in longhand with pen and paper, mm -hmm. but uh, in the psychologist, I don't really know. Yeah, right. Um, no. I've done it both ways, and it really just depends on the mood that I'm in. Um, at the course that I designed, which is called Permission to Land um, uh, Personal Transformation Through Writing, mm -hmm. I offer as a digital download that people can type into a fillable PDF, but I'm also publishing it in a in an actual physical paperback book that's coming out in August um, because it, I suddenly began to think, just like you said, that, that people might actually want to put pen to paper and write it in a physical book. Yeah. So they can get it both ways from my website. Mm -hmm. um, well, let's talk on... about that. Let's talk about um, your supporting course. Um, uh, what, will, what will somebody find in there? What, what is the process that you go through with them? Well, the, the book cover is just roughly the same. It's just a different uh, subtitle. Mm -hmm. um, I don't have a physical copy of it yet because it's still um, it's still being worked on. There's the book works. design side. Um, what, it, what it is is over 100 pages of guided writing prompts that will take somebody through their, their life chronologically, but also look at how you see yourself, how you... Um, what you used to be afraid of, what dreams you have, what kinds of things you want to communicate to your future or, or current children, um, how you do conflict resolution, how you chose your career or are planning to choose a career, and what kinds of things are meaningful to you as as you go forward with your life so that you're, you're taking a reckoning of the past and being mindful of your present while trying to build a better future, trying mm -hmm. to envision what you want for yourself in your future. Um, and I also offer a free version, a free mini version of this, which is like a little over 20 pages, which is a sampling of these questions 
um, and they're all available on the website on marcybrockman.com. And then as soon as the paperback version of it is available, it'll be available on the website and on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble. And, and all the all standard standard outlets. I, I wonder, yeah. is there another book in you? Are you interested in writing something more? Um, I have some very beginning rudimentary ideas. I want to try my hand at fiction now. I started writing a novel probably a decade ago. My son and I were going to write a book together, um, like a YA kind of novel. And we were at it for a couple of weeks and we have, you know, a couple, maybe 40 pages of it written. And then he lost interest. He was in seventh grade. I'm glad you quite a while. Yeah. But the story still compelling to me and I think I want to try my hand at that a bit yeah, I can uh, see you see it's just a wonderful thing to have uh, children and have a relationship with them like that and and to be a you know a, I guess a leader as a parent um, you're doing some amazing things with this this memoir I know that people are going to take a lot of benefit from the work that you're doing I know that there are a lot of families and and kids out there that need your help your work so thank you very much for doing the work that you're doing now importantly um, when people want to find your work your book and you where will they go um, marcybrockman.com m-a-r-c-i-b-r-o-c-k-m-a-n-n.com that's it you can get a link to the book, you link to all of my artwork, um, link to the course. And I decided to, to offer a very inexpensive writing workshop next Wednesday. So um, on the 22nd of July at 8 p.m. Eastern time for a cost of $8, which is really cheap. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to do an hour long writing, expressive writing workshop to and use some of the tools that I have created in uh um, personal transformation through writing to give people a taste of of the whole process and what it can bring to their lives. So that's also accessible through marcybrockman.com. It's all Thank one. Thank you so very much. Now, if anybody was on this call today is wanting to do expressive writing and find an outlet, uh, you know, start using the power of the pen or the laptop, as it were, um, certainly visit Marcy at marcybrockman.com. I will be making the links available back to Marcy and all of her wonderful work. Marcy, it's been just an absolute treat and a pleasure to spend some time with you on the My Future Business Show today. Thank you so very much for this opportunity. It was wonderful. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed the call, then make sure to subscribe, leave a comment, share us with your friends and book your spot on the show at myfuturebusiness.com forward slash interviews. And if you're looking for solutions that will help grow your business, then visit myfuturebusiness.com forward slash shop.